Welcome to another action-packed episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. And I'm Elaine. And we have another review extravaganza with some anniversary celebrations thrown into the mix as well. Um, I I can't help but think when you say action-packed, I'm just like, you know, meanwhile in the lair of the Seishura friends. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my voice lends itself to... To that kind of, uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I wasn't insinuating that. I was just like, I, I, I just never thought it was as action packed. So that's all. <laughs> I, I don't know. A lot of a lot of stuff goes on. We always oh, have really exciting conversations. We're we're, we're gonna have some fun takes today yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so we, as always, we try to uh, try to have a mix of things to talk about. I'd say. We kind of have a, a, a nice, a nice pairing of two you know pretty different metal albums, and then two somewhat avant-garde albums. I don't know. That that that's part of one of the things I wanted to talk about on one of them. But um, yeah. In any case, uh, let's get started with um, really by a wide margin the shortest album, um, if you can call yeah. it an album. It's always, I've always found it weird that these guys. You know, their stuff is always considered albums, even though they're shorter than Look, some it, keys I know. If fucking Kanye can get away with 20-minute albums, these guys can get away with any number. Yes, that's very fair. Wanted. And these guys would be uh, Nails. And this is their uh, full-length debut, all 13, or I guess if you round up 14 minutes of it, yeah. uh, on Silent Death. Uh, these guys truly burst onto the scene with a vengeance in uh, 2010 with this album. It came out on Southern Lord, and um, aesthetically, it, kind of, it just it looks like a Southern Lord album. It looks like a grimy, um, you know, grindcore, you know, hardcore. You know, it just it lo- it fit that aesthetic of like all the sludgy stuff that they release. But this really differentiated itself, and not that they necessarily like this is pretty squarely in the grindcore power violence camp. But just the level of aggression, and more importantly, the level of, of Songwriting, like a lot of the songs in here have really memorable hooks, memorable riffs, yeah. and usually, you know, with a grindcore power violence record, you're just you're looking for quick hit aggression just flies by, and, and this definitely operates under that mindset. But I just there are so many songs in this that you know every time you know when I replayed it this time, there's like I, I always forget what track it is, but this one where it's like na and just like that riff every time is just yeah like, I, I i'm trying to remember that one too i i always think of suffering soul that might be uh, it or it might be the title track i forget but in any case it's crazy that they're you know the songs in this album the longest one is is the the finale which is um a little under depth. four minutes but other than that um the the title track is a little over two and a half and the rest are just right around the minute mark or even less is you know it, it, it's crazy how much they pack in to such a short um such a short runtime. I, I actually didn't my introduction to nails was with their um their second album uh, abandon all life which i think is uh, it, it's it's a more refined version of of on silent death I, I don't know which one i prefer i think they both kind of take slightly different Approaches, but you know, kind of along the same line. But if you just want that raw grindcore, you know, power balance and tendency tendencies, 
this is this is such a thing. This is one of the best of the last decade from the genre easily. Uh, it's just it's such a great album, and just inherently, it's really really easy to run on repeat. <laughs> Just because yeah. you know it, it's it's so short, you're like, you know what? Fuck! Like I'm now I'm amped up. Let's do it again. So out yeah, of curiosity, I, I mean, love it. Uh, how many times did you listen to this thing this week? I lost track. Honestly, this one was easy. <laughs> I think the other ones I did my standard, uh, you know, two listens. Uh, but this one, I mean, it was just easy to pop it again. Over, you know, get up to get some more water. Just pop it. <laughs> press play again. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so fun. And it's great to work from home and uh, be able to, like, chair mosh. Because, like, if I was still in the <laughs> office and having this playing and people were like, what the fuck are you doing? HR would have to get involved. It would be <laughs> like, this whole what thing. What was Scott? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I don't know. I, I know you love nails, but I, I, I don't recall what your, um, like, what your trajectory was. So... I remember when these guys, I think, because you picked up on Silent Death first, if I remember right. Um, or at least, I, I remember you talking about that one the most. I think for some reason. I think I bought on Silent Death first, and I, I liked it, but it, it, for some reason, Abandoned All Life was the one that really, yeah. it really clicked for me. I, I just remember, I think, I think I tried to listen to it at one point very early on into it. We're talking about, you know, it came out in 2010. On Wikipedia, it says March 2010. Um, I'm going to say October because that's what Rate Your Music says. Or at least that's what I thought it says. But what do I know? Um, <laughs> but, but March, that, that, it's a strange way to spell October or, or September. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm all mixed up today, dude. Um, hey, no worries. So, anyway, so my first listen to this, and this is way back. This is probably like, mm, probably 2011, um, 2012, maybe even. And uh, I was not into this. Uh, you know, I think it was. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I had, a, I, had, this was just right around the time that I was starting to sort of delve into uh, metal that wasn't just like, you know, post chaos AD Sepultura. <laughs> You know, like, s- stuff beyond groove metal and, and crap like that, you know? Um, like, so, you know, I, I remember, I think the first time I ever listened to um, Mayhem's uh, De Mysterious Dom Satanus was, was around 2012. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Transylvanian Hunger. Um, pretty sure uh, Napalm Death's first album was in there, too. You know, do, just a lot of those, uh, like, classics. And so I think listening to this, I, I don't think I fully appreciated it at the time, but I, I'm trying to remember exactly when a few years ago, this thing, like I, I put it on again for some reason and it just really hit me like really hard. And I just fucking loved it. And like, mm-hmm. I, I really, the only album of theirs I don't have is, um, actually is abandoned all life because I haven't been able to find like a used copy of it. Um, and every single time I've just seen that, like, it's always been like, you know, like 13 bucks and I'm like, no, like, like, lo- like, love nails. Not gonna pay thirteen bucks for an album that's fifteen minutes long. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's always that's always tough. Yeah, when you're, it, I mean that's why I don't. I, I say that I, I'm pretty sure I paid full price for Unsilent Death. <laughs> yeah, so. but I mean, that's the thing. That's why I usually, um, you know, periodically it's nice to put on a grindcore record. But I've just it's waned for me just because. I think I've talked before about the idea of musical ideas making an album 
you know, kind of constructing the album length in my mind versus how many songs there are and how actually long they are. Yeah. So if it's like, you know, like a four track album with long songs, but they feel like, you know, four distinct ideas versus grindcore where it's like 20 ideas. So, and because they're so short, it's like, I don't want to pay full price for that. But I feel like Nails is, is such a unique band in that regard. Like, I just... Well, the, 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 that's the thing is, like, I was thinking about this when I was listening to this thing uh, again this week. And, like, I, I want to argue that there's really nothing special about Nails. Yeah. And I, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it more just like because I I think there are a lot of bands like in like metal and just in music in general that sort of have like this, you know, almost like a gimmicky hook to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Wormrot. I always look to them and like oh, they're like oh like, you know that they're like experimental grindcore or whatever, you know, uh, <laughs> you know shit like that or like um, I don't Discordance Access even like with that that blue album cover. You know, like, it just feels like they all have, like, a thing that sort of sets them apart. And, like, Nails doesn't have that. They just have super, super solid songwriting and just stellar production. You know, and it's just, to me, it's a testament of that, like, you know, it doesn't matter how many bells or whistles you you put onto your music. Song, strong songwriting is, is the key to good music. Exactly. No, I think that really hits the nail on the head. And I think it took it to their... The nail on the head. Honestly, I genuinely did not do that on purpose. You, you fucking son of a bitch. That's awesome. <laughs> wow, okay. Anyway, I hate you. I, I think to their credit, they, they didn't try to do... Like, I, I think I... I might have sold it. But at one point I had a Wormrod album where... I think it was at least 20 minutes and it had like 20 songs. Might have even been longer than that. And... I appreciate that Nails didn't take that approach. They didn't try to pad the, well, the track listing with a bunch of I, songs that. Kind I wasn't of... even thinking of that. Like, do you? I think it's the the last Wormrod album that came out. I remember people being like, I remember Ahmed being really into it uh, and talking about how there's like this post-hardcore type of sound yeah. on it. Yeah. It, and I just listened to it. I'm like, I just don't like this. And and, like, and that's always kind of a red flag. I mean, like not necessarily yeah. in a bad way, but that's always a. An interesting marker when someone who like Ahmed is very much a, a, a tech tech prog metal guy. Yeah. So like when he's like, "Oh, I love this grindcore record," you're like, "Wait a minute! Like this is well, see this... that type of thing would make me want to listen to it even more because yeah. I, I I love Ahmed. Like I I love his taste in metal. Yeah. You know, even though it it rarely aligns with my own, mm-hmm. um, I I just find it you know like like I I love when he's re- gets really into an album. Yeah. And so like. You know the whole idea behind this because I, aren't they from Singapore as well? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you know to have like the Singapore like you know grindcore band doing like experimental shit was just like so cool to me, but it just for some reason it didn't pan out. But I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to use this time to shit on them. Um, it's yeah. it's more just I'm more using that as an example. Just that you know you you don't necessarily need bells and whistles to be a good band and to put oh, out good music. Yeah, exactly. So. I think I, I was I was going down an adjacent track. But yeah, I totally yeah. agree that they so. they didn't try to be um they didn't try to be anything other than exactly what they, they want to be. I'm not saying like a band like Wormrod is trying to be experimental for a purpose, but they, yeah. they knew exactly what they were setting out to do. They didn't try to pad the, the track list with, you know even the usually it's pretty cliche for these kind of albums, like the last track is um, like something completely different, like the kind of 
it's really cliche in this like sludge, chaotic, hardcore kind of scene, you know, especially prevalent with Southern Lord, that the last track is like this big, doomy song. I mean, it's kind of was inspired by Converge, because that's kind of what they, they do, is like they, they have a couple songs, especially the, long, the last song with something really different. But they didn't do that. I mean, the last song is just a really sludgier, heavier version of what came before. Like, it, 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 you know, they didn't try to force anything that wasn't them, but they didn't try to just throw in tracks for the shits and giggles. Like, yeah, yeah it's they, third. It, it's, there's definitely nothing on this that's like, oh, wow, that was a weird left turn. Like, and I, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I, I just like how this thing is just, it, it is just 10 track lists that are just 10 punches to the face. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is just, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Um, to your point, yeah, the fact that this is, you know, so justifiably acclaimed uh, within the scene, but it really doesn't do anything different. And it, the fact that that isn't an issue, and in fact, it's to its strength is pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, what's really impressive to me is how they've managed to put out three albums in the span of a decade, possibly four if before the end of this year, I'm hoping. But you put, put out three albums in terms of a decade, you know, in you know, in underground genre that isn't, you know, always, you know, the most popular thing, even within metal. And yet they managed to be one of the most popular bands, like, in metal right now. Yeah, it's, Still. It, it's, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times when a band breaks through, um, I don't necessarily want to name any examples that, you know, shit on them, but there are sometimes yeah. when a band gets, like, the metal community seal of approval... I, it does not vibe with me, but I'm really glad that Nails has, has kind of been become one of those, you know, kind of, I don't want to say mainstream, but like basically they're accepted as like a, a, a staple of contemporary metal. Um, yeah. It, like the, the, there's a you know, group of bands that just everyone's like, yep, like they're kind of like not elder statesmen, but they, they just are held in a different regard because they yeah, they, themselves. They're up there. And like, like I remember when, um, when the, uh, I don't want to know you seven inch came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people were going wild over that, even though it was, it was just a seven inch, yeah. you know, like it was just impressive to see people. Like, I mean, I, full of hell has a very similar, um, kind of, you know, trajectory, I think. With, with like with sort of their own popularity that like yes. they can put out just like the do, don't they have a couple of volumes of just noise music? Yeah, no, they they I think they are kind of like nails and fellow of hell are different sides of the same coin of how to do this style, right? You know, nails is just a straightforward like we're just going to rely on really great songwriting, and I think full of hell is on the other end where like they are going to do some experimental things with noise and whatnot, but they're going to do it in a way where it justifies it. Like, they're not experimenting for the sake of it. I feel like they actually do it justice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't have any more to say. I think if, if this sounds like your thing, it most definitely will be. <laughs> uh, by the way, you know what's interesting? It is you could have listened to the entire album in the time we spent talking about this <laughs> album. So yep. just, just a fun fact. Anyone who's like, oh, I don't want to listen to that. It's like, well, you listen to this much. You might as yeah, well. exactly. Uh, exactly. And I would say this is a great album to sort of, if you're interested in like power violence and like grindcore and things like that, this is a great like opener. Like, yeah, you know, th- th- this was like my opener in a very big way, uh, which seems kind of um, backwards. You know, usually you'd think you go to like Napalm Death or something or like, um, oh, what is it? Am I thinking not not destroyer, but um, 
What's that other grindcore band that's around? Terrorizer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of those, like, errs. Like those yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I couldn't get that. Terrorizer, but, Destroyer, yeah, so, Annihilator. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, all this to say is that, it, you know, it doesn't matter where your where your gate is, you know, it's just important to just try to go through it. So Yeah. And all right. now for something uh, I'd say completely opposite. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, I'm actually really excited to talk about this. Because Me we've too. Talked about this I, band, a, we've talked about this band before, and a lot, a lot <laughs> of other people have as well, but I think this record... It has a really interesting place in their discography, but just is not held to the same regard. And I'm, I'm really interested. You know, I want to hear Elaine's thoughts and, and talk about, um, you know, whether it's a good thing, bad thing, and why that might be. And this is, my father will guide me up a road to the sky Rope. by Swans. Obviously, the seminal um, experimental rock band. I mean, they went through a period in uh, the '80s and '90s. They were a really, really um, important part of the no wave scene and then from there they just went into really all sorts of interesting directions kind of in, in you know infusion of you know industrial rock goth rock noise rock and then especially with their swan song if you will um at the time soundtracks for the blind they just went into you know complete avant-garde mode where they touched on you know, there's like a dance track on there which has some Bjork vibes. There's some you know really interesting uh, samples. I, I, I don't remember that at all. I'm gonna have to listen to that again. Uh, Volcano definitely gives me okay. some. Like, yeah, it, does, it sounds like they're trying to be Bjork. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> Swans being Bjork just sounds so great. <laughs> um, my introduction to them was Great Annihilator, which is kind of a weird, um, gothy, post rock kind of album. Uh, excuses my washer goes off. Um, and, How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> and from there, it's it's just been that almost perfectly bisects their discography, and it's been really interesting over the years to go backwards to an album like Filth, which is just like pure. I mean, literally one of the best best name albums I've ever encountered. Yeah, an album we talked about not too long ago. I think it was. Yeah. it could have been last year. I think we were talking about Filth. Maybe. Yeah, that, that um, makes sense. It was. Because, yeah, it was pretty recent. Yeah, um, and then of course you know they had a, a huge resurgence after breaking up. Uh, Wikipedia pulled up. They broke up after Soundtracks for the Blind '96. They came back with this album, My Father Will Guide Me, in 2010. But really, it was the Seer in 2012 where their their popularity exploded. You know, they really had a resurgence. Then of course, To Be Kind in 2014. Which know, is equally my, my personal favorite. Yeah, equally um, well received. The Glowing Man and Leaving Meaning. You know. A little bit, you know, the acclaim is tapered off a little bit, but at the same time, you know, still they're considered, you know, they're they're back in a way. Like they're considered a, you know, kind of every time they release a new album, it gets people's attention and whatnot. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is that that status as kind of a mainstay in the current, you know, landscape of indie music, you know, using that term broadly, that wasn't started by My Father Will Guide Me. I mean, technically it was because it was their comeback album. But really, yeah. it was the seer that's you know brought on the interest in the band's material. You know, people went back in their career. I mean, that that's, was my experience. You know, everyone was talking about the seer. It was a really interesting package, and it sounded really cool. And then, of course, the music just blew me away. Um, and I think listening to my father will guide me. I own this on CD. I hadn't listened to it for a while. Uh, in listening to it, 
On one hand, I understand why it didn't have the impact that the subsequent, you know, releases in this kind of, you know, return series have has had, but I also don't understand why it, it didn't make a bigger splash. I'm kinda I was yeah. kinda mixed after listening to this in terms of whether or not this is underrated or properly rated. Because I think you could make an oh, argument I, for either. And I, 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 I kinda wanna hear your 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 thoughts then on uh, it not being like but it being properly rated. So on on the so I'll, I'll end on a end on a uh, positive note. So I'll I'll start by you know why it's properly rated. Uh, I mean just off the bat, I think this is a really good record. Um, I kind of kick myself out listening to it more often because li- having listened to this for the first time in quite a while, I mean this is great. Um, it's it's basically in some ways it feels like an EP for Swans just because the subsequent albums are you know yeah. over, over twice as long. You know this is about forty minutes and the you know they're album sensitive and you have two hours each pretty much um i I think i read somewhere that going into the seer uh michael gira the the kind of the the, you know the brains of swans since its its beginnings um said that he wishes he had gone that's kind of how the seer and this you know to be kind you know their their progression as a band came about after is because he felt like he held himself back that he he didn't he didn't extend the drones as much as he'd like. He didn't go, you know, with the repetition. He, everything that you love about the Seer, everything that makes it stand out, and, and then, you know, what they then build, built upon with their subsequent releases, they didn't quite hit. I forget where I read that, but that was something that I, I read at one point, you know, around the release of the Seer. Um, and I think just coming at this, because uh, I, I, you know, again, I learned about Swan from the Seer. I heard this after I heard the Seer. Coming at it, you know, in retrospect, this just doesn't hit the same level of grandiosity as the Seer, just by its, its its relative brevity. Obviously, it's not a short album necessarily, but it doesn't hit the same marks just because that's not where Gira's headspace was. So I get why it didn't make the ripples that the Seer did, just because it doesn't hit so, quite at that level. But quickly, I will say the reason yeah. I think it's underrated is because this is still a damn good album. You know, it's 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 very unique it's very interesting and and more importantly i think it's a more digestible version of the seer i think that people who are coming at this band now will you know they'll be steered toward the seer to be kind or something like that but i think this really offers a nice accessible not in a bad way bite-sized version relatively of what swans is now and i think it's a high quality but shorter and less abrasive version of what you know, less abrasive. Again, there's still a lot of stuff on here that's, you know, off kilter, as is everything with Swan's discography. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that this, um, I am interested that this didn't make, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, I wasn't in the know at that time, but I just, I feel like I didn't hear about this in the same way I did about the Seer. And I, I think that this is almost a better album if someone's really interested in learning about Swan's to, to give a shot, I think. I yeah, think I mean, is, yeah. uh, Great Annihilator is a good album, but it's definitely not indicative of, you know, what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least not in, like, its entirety. Like, I think that's what's nice about this album is that, you know, you get the full breadth of what's going on with Swans. That, like, you know, you have a lot of drony parts, but then you have something like Eden Prison, which is just, like, just fucking balls to the wall, kind of. Yeah. I, just nuts you know sounding um 
Yeah, I, I, I want to point out, though, because I was reading this on Wikipedia earlier this week, so uh, not sure how accurate this is, but apparently this uh, the tracks, a lot of the tracks here were supposed to be for an Angels of Light record, but yeah. he felt that they didn't fit. And for some reason, like, like that really kind of made things click with me in a whole new way. Uh, because if you think about it, like, I mean, like... Everything Swans has done from this album on has had that Angels of Light kind of feel to it, to mm-hmm. a certain degree. That it has like this kind of post rockety, you know, like uh, kind of a country twang to it at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it so it, it's just it's just interesting to see how sort of gears work outside of the Swans moniker you know, uh, still influences Swans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I fucking love this album. Um, listening to this again, I enjoyed the fuck out of it to the point that like, this could be my favorite Swans album. It possibly like, I really love this thing. Cause like, it was just, just kept going the entire time. Like the, you know, not to say that because I, I I think with with those longer albums, like there's a tendency to like think that they kind of like meander, and I, I don't think that's true. Like I think they like I think the lengths of those albums are justified, um, but I think that you know sort of this is is just like so honed to a razor's edge here. That it's just like it, it's so impossible to just you know, kind of toss it aside, which kind of makes me pissed that it, it didn't really get, mm-hmm. or at least it, like it just it it doesn't feel like it has the same respect that the seer or like to be kind has, you know it it just feels kind of like, you know I, I think we were talking about this last week you described it as like sort of like the forgotten stepchild, yeah of swans. <laughs> It's it's true. Like I, I mean, I never think of of I never think of this album <laughs> like until we started talking about it. Yeah, uh, and I think it, that's that's very much due to the fact that it just did not it did not make the waves that the Seer and To Be Kind did. Yeah, it, and that's a shame because I I think it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. I I really like. There is not a single track here that I don't like. You know, I like. There was this way. He, Jira wrote this thing that was just so magnetic that like I I could if I wanted to just sit down and listen to the entire thing without doing anything else and just feel like if you don't like I I just feel very with the music instead of feeling like I need to do something else with my hands or you know uh, kind of distract myself on one end you know it it just it it's very fulfilling so yeah um, yeah I. I mean, it's 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 a great album. It's, it's a really great album that shows, you know, sort of um, what was to come very soon after. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I can't really say enough good things about it. Um, I actually need to just buy this thing because it is actually one of the few Swans albums I don't have. Um, I think. Let me look, because the only ones I don't have are yeah, my father will guide me. Um, and I think like white, oh, white light, love of life, which I count those as like, you know, twin albums because they have like that packaging that's like together, and then uh, burning world, 
but I literally have every other album they've ever come out with, and I love them all. And I really need to just finish up my collection. So, I have to. I think there's a few I'm missing, but um... I I used to have White Light in Levels Life, but I don't know what happened. I uh, I think I I didn't really like it, so I sold it. Uh, poor poor idea. Yeah. But <laughs> I have I have uh, actually I think a few of them on vinyl, which. Which I think I have holy money, either holy money or greed, on vinyl. Which they, is, and I they, have filth on didn't, vinyl. Didn't they put the two together? I think they put them on on CD. I, I, I yeah, because like that's what I have. I've uh, I've like the filth like three CD set, cop and a screw, um, then greed, holy money, uh, the compilation. So yeah, I, I used to actually like actively bid on eBay back in the day. <laughs> and I, I, think, I, don't, you know, I don't think I paid too, too much, but I still paid more than I would today on either greed or holy money. I'll have to check. Uh, but the, yeah. I think that I like having, like if I'm collecting something from, you know, a discography from an artist, I like to keep it in the same format. So like, for example, yeah. I have St. Vincent. I, I buy all our stuff on vinyl. I just, that's just, you know, I think I bought, I forget which, whichever albums I bought first on vinyl, but then I just kind of kept with that. Um, but I think I, I need to switch over to CDs at some point, just because there's no way I'm buying the like triple LP monstrosity <laughs> that are you know the Sear and onward. Like I just I can't imagine. Like I, yeah. I, I usually stray away from double LPs just because that's annoying. So I can't imagine a triple LP. I bought See, one triple LP in my life, and it was um, Kamasi. Was no, it was one of the newer. Apex twin out was the one that would just have like a receipt oh, on it. Was it Syro? Syro, yeah. yeah. Because it was, I think it was like seventy five percent off, so it was like I think maybe ten bucks for like a brand new triple op. And then I I realized why Bull Moose couldn't sell it because it was a forced triple op. Like they easily oh, yeah. fit. Like they just there were like two songs on each side, and I'm like, really? Like this is yeah. I I'm looking at this thing right now. It's 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 a little over an hour long. <laughs> There's no need for that because it just it was annoying. Like I, I played it through once and like two songs would play. You're like, oh shit, I gotta get. You had to keep getting up. I was like, well, this sucks. So, <laughs> That's, well, uh, so I'm looking also. Oh, that is really funny. So, Freak Out, the Mothers of Invention album, mm-hmm. uh, which was one of the first double albums ever produced, um, is an hour and fifty five seconds. So it's technically shorter than this, and it could be put on just one on, on like just two discs on two uh, vinyl records. Which is so strange. I, it, I mean, I, I, I guess, like, as far as I know, the techno, like, the idea is that the closer, like, like the more space you have for uh, a track on vinyl, the, the better quality it is, basically. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm mincing my words a little bit no, describing no, that. Th- but. That's pretty much exactly what I've heard, too. And yeah, um, I get it, but I feel like you also have to balance the fact that. Oh yeah, no, it, 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 yeah. I'm not it's, saying it's a cash grab at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you're bit. saying that. I'm just saying that, like, from their perspective, like, I understand you want it to sound good, but if, if from a user experience, it just gets really annoying whenever you put that album on. You have to constantly be, you know, unless you have one of those like automatic flippers that they yeah. Do, Which see, I, I personally wouldn't mind that with I mean with Swans, I guess, like because I mean I already do that if I listen to a Swans album anyway, um, it, and it's kind of a nice reprieve for a little bit just to kind of like 
you know it, it's it, it's it's like a it's like an intermission in an opera like you you, you need that time to like use the bathroom <laughs> so yeah and I, I think there was a w- one point where um i think fantano did like a vinyl um, you know like this is unboxing or whatever you want to call it yeah and he showed the lp and i think that the swans did like a, a reasonable job of, of having like the reason it's a triple LP is just some it's like there's you know songs in the new album that are, are on their album that are like half an hour long so like that's just a yeah whole, that's just an entire side so like yeah that I, doesn't I, feel... I I remember I think I saw that or at least where he um he was showing off his copy of To Be Kind and he was like yeah see I've got all of the baby heads or something like like <laughs> oh, which is still I, one of my favorite Fantana lines I prefer the uh, the Fox uh, Buckle on um I think oh I, yeah yeah. The, Almost positive uh, it was on his uh, "What's in My Bag" episode. Yeah, it he, was. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, like learned, I've never looked at the back of this, but like that's clearly that thing's butthole. Yeah, he learned <laughs> in real time that like he, he now has access to that, <laughs> that fox's butthole. Okay, I, yeah. I I think that's the sign that that we move on. Yeah, what what, what that's a really great indicator. Oh, that's really really yeah. funny. It, it, um, it's not an indicator of our next album, mind yeah, you. Yeah, it is. Been, it's uh, a good indicator. Like, <laughs> there's not, not really nowhere to go, but, but, you know, off of this topic. <laughs> oh yeah, you're on Fox Buffalo. But uh, the complete opposite in terms of uh, classy and cool names to Fox Buffalo is this next artist name. <laughs> Come on, you're not even yeah. trying, Scott. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know what? It, it worked. It didn't work well, but it worked. Um, it, it did its job. Exactly. <laughs> May it rest in peace. Uh, and we are now talking. You know, we're now moving into new reviews, and we are going to be talking about an artist who I think I listened to her last album that made some waves. I don't remember it as well, um, but it is "All Thoughts Fly" from Anna von Hauswolf, and she is also on Southern Board. Which is interesting because you would not expect her to be on that label at all. But I feel like these kind yeah. of underground, you know, quote unquote dark music labels always have like wild cards in the mix just because they're, they're usually well listened folks. Uh, I will say, I, I think a lot of people just because it's kind of a weird signing for Southern Lord considering the rest of their roster uh, and also because generally it's a bit... Um, it's a bit different than what most people listen to. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like this is, you know, the people who would be, you know, listen to Southern Lore don't usually listen to this kind of music. Uh, I kind of wish, because again, I really don't remember her last album. I wish that they hadn't played this up as being so avant-garde because it, I feel like it does like, the album. Were they playing that up like that? It was, again, it wasn't widespread. I, just, I mean, people in like my circle, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, mentioned that like all oh, was like an avant-garde or experimental release well, and... So Just, based on based on Anna von Hauswolf's previous album, which is Dead Magic, came out in twenty eighteen. One of my favorite albums of the year. Um, I like. I, I think that that typing was justified uh, until like you know it actually came out and people realized that hey, this is uh, this is nothing like Dead Magic. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, let's just be up front. This is uh, an entire album of pipe organ music. Yeah. Um, and I think so. some people are just, you know, carrying it over from her last project. And I only say that for just kind of generally, you know, folks might hear it. And, and then when they hear it, they're like, oh, I'm disappointed. Because I was, I was not disappointed at all. In fact, I 
I listened to this more than, you know, excluding On Silent Death, which was really easy to replay. I listened to this more than any other album on the docket today. Just Interesting. It's, it was just, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's, it's haunting. It's not beautiful in, like, a, an ethereal sense or anything like that, but just it's, it's, it's kind of truly ethereal. It's, it's very, it was a very, I felt like I was sitting in the, I mean, I don't know if she recorded this at a church, but I felt like I was sitting in the front pew, like alone in a dark church only lit by candles. And she was just kind of going to town on the organ. And it just, it's, it's interesting how this is a relatively simple album, but is just so beautiful. And I, I love the, you know, the textures that she unleashes with her, um, with her playing. Like I just, I found every song enthralling. I just, I I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. I mean, I don't have a ton more to say only because it it is relatively, you know, it's, it does what it sets out to do, but it does it so well. And I, I want to go back and listen to her previous stuff because I don't remember it being like this as as you alluded to, but I mean, I, I love this. I, I would, I would be interested to hear, um, a lot more of her her stuff now because I don't think her last was her last album her debut. I think she's been around for a little no, bit. No, she's been around for a while. She, yeah. She's had a number of albums. Uh, twenty ten was actually her first album. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm def- definitely interested in, in diving in because you know I, I you know I know that there's some variety in, in her catalog. Or at least this is a little bit of, of a departure from what I remember Dead Magic sounding like. But um, yeah, I mean this is I love this album. I thought it was I thought it was. Just yeah. a really enthralling, beautiful listen. It's it's an interesting listen. I, I so w- when I first turned it on, I totally forgot that it was uh, a pipe organ album, like entirely, and uh, so I was really surprised to just I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just didn't expect it. Uh, but it was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, I I think there's a tendency sometimes for like classical music, especially if it's on like organ to get boring you know and to kind of you know like i've said before like meander a little bit uh it doesn't do any of that here yeah it's really just uh you know she is attacking you know the organ with you know sort of this it it feels like a hybrid songwriting almost like, like she's taking cues from like the great composers of yesteryear but she's also attacking them with like sort of her own interest, you know, um, like Dead Magic got compared a lot to like Swans a little bit, um, you know, and you can you can kind of hear that you you can hear those two like elements kind of playing off each other throughout this. Uh, but what impressed me the most was how this thing was recorded and sort of just like just the pure sonic, uh, you know, sort of aspect of it. Like I, I really wish I, I had put on some headphones and listened to this thing, mm-hmm. because there is just a lot, you, you know, just texturally, you know, going on in here. And you know, um, if you look at the description on Bandcamp, it says that she, um, it was they actually recorded it, um, sort of with all these different microphones, um, like I think it was. Let's see. Uh, yeah, the album was the organ was recorded with two room mics for atmosphere and two pairs of close mics placed inside the organ to capture nuances and detail for further sound processing. Wow. Which, like, you can really hear that too. You you know you can hear some of the more percussive clicking elements, 
you know on some tracks on others you know it it's more of like an atmosphere that slowly grows you know it's it's all just so immaculately done um you know that being said i'm still not sure where exactly it would land for me like i i feel like i want to spend more time with it if that makes any sense like it just it's a very it's it's not easily accessible i guess or at least i i think i i think it's more like it's i i think it just takes a while like this seems like one of those albums that like i feel like if if we had done this like a week later like if we had done if we had waited another week to record this episode um i feel like i probably would have a better idea of my thoughts on it mm-hmm. uh but right now it's just very it's still they're still kind of embryonic at at this point uh but they're definitely positive and the album cover is just very strange um actually now that i think about it kind of kind of reminds me of that um oh what was that album that came out um i think it was called deathless if i remember right revocation um so it's the one with the uh, yeah but yeah but with the with the door mouth (laughs) It's another Dormouth album. <laughs> Scott, Scott, what's your favorite Dormouth album? Oh, it is another. Oh, I just pulled it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be a fun list. Like, best Dormouth album. <laughs> best Dormouth album. It's, it's just a nice word to say, Dormouth. Dormouth. It's, it, it kind of sounds like it, it, it should be like a like a kind of pervy word that has like some sort of strange definition on Urban Dictionary. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so... I but but that being said, I, I think the album cover fits it. Like it, it fits the tone of the album a lot. Just in that there is like sort of the way it's drawn kind of sounds like how it sounds. Like it has like this impressionistic type of feel to it. Yeah. Um. You know. It, it, but it isn't exactly to say that sort of the freakiness of the album. You know, of the album cover, like there isn't exactly. It's not like it's all scary. On the sound, like the, the, there's a lot of very ambient, you know, very peaceful sounding, uh, you know, tracks on here. So, you know, it's 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 definitely more varied than one would think. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, she does an amazing job of of you know, it's it's not like frightening or really foreboding but it's also i mean it's not just this you know an airy ride like there's there's a yeah. lot of, of of depth and texture which is, it, it, which is I, just, I would oh go ahead yeah so it's interesting because it just doesn't um like you know like when i think of Oregon, i think of you know church obviously and and just you know going to church when i was a kid you'd never think that you know you'd never think that that instrument would have that much much depth just because of what i you know Associating yeah. with like every time it comes on, it's like, oh, here we go again. You know, yeah, grab grab the hymnal, find the you know. But like this, I just she just does such a great job of bringing out all the textures and, um, you know, like you said, you mentioned that, you know the way it was recorded, but you know also just the way she she played it. I mean, this is genuinely a, a great great album. Yeah, and uh, I I, I want to point out, and this is just my last thoughts. Uh, for this, that uh, I really respect sort of the the balls it took to release an album like this, 
Because, like, just think about, like, she made a pretty good splash with Dead Magic. And I think a lot of people were expecting a similar, you know, sort of album to follow that up. But to follow it up with just pure organ music is just, like, you, you've, you've got some chutzpah to, you know, to do that. And what's even cooler is that it works out in a really, really nice way. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. Because, I mean, like I said, I, this was not... Even the fact that Dead Magic wasn't fresh on my mind, I hadn't listened to it for a while. This is not the album I expected. Yeah, so me neither. But yeah. I, you know, it was still very enjoyable. Yeah, and, yeah. and hopefully people get over the. the I mean, I, I don't. I haven't really seen much reaction to this in either direction. I am. I am curious if people are kind of writing it off just because. Um, you know, I, I actually remember when I think Pitchfork announced it. I saw someone in the comments saying like. Oh, I thought it was I like oh she's not singing. Well, so much so much for caring about this or something like that, which I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we've talked before, obviously an artist doesn't owe, owe anything to their fans, but I was yeah. a fan, you know, just, just based off an announcement and like maybe like a pre release single, like you're really going to uh Yeah. Really gonna write like, it I off mean, that easily. I, I see like it's just I mean you should know going in that that she's more than just, you know, a singer. She she is she's a composer. She's a musician. She she plays the pipe organ. You know, like she she she's got facets to her. You know, it, yeah, like I mean, as opposed to like if if Aesop Rock just like announced today that he was that that his new album was just going to be all instrumentals. Like, see that 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 would be different. But like, you know, I I, I feel like. Anavon Houseables has has a lot going on, so yeah, you know. and I think that in general, she you know, the amount of care that was put in this album, and at least deserves you know a listen if you've appreciated. You know, obviously, this isn't for everyone, but if you enjoy yeah. her previous material, I mean, at least give this a listen. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has like you know she plays pipe organ on Dead Magic. Yeah, exactly. So. It's not like she went from like you know like a just like, a, a pure rock structure you know like you know some people compare it to swans and not only she went from that to suddenly like, you know what i'm gonna play organ now like this is just kind of exploring a different you know you know what it, now that i'm thinking about it, it's kind of this whole kind of you know the way this you know her sound kind of jumped to just this it kind of reminds me of uh wolves in the throne room with uh celestite oh yeah i can see that yeah yeah uh though i i, I think this will this probably has a little more positive reception to it uh though i i don't think celestite had like necessarily negative reception it just definitely i i think it just rubbed some like black metal purist the wrong way yeah and also i i think the way it was positioned as a like an accompaniment uh i think i think you can or there's certain parts of um celestial lineage where you would play it like at the same time, I'm not sure if. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, it's so sort of like a quadraphonic type of thing. Yeah, and I think the fact that they have often been a little—I have to check the dates on this—but I think they've had quite, you know, significant gaps between releases, um, and it, it kind of stinks. You know, this is a little bit of a tangent. It kind of stinks that they've been written off as like in the post-black metal or the black gaze tier because I mean. I think that they're a genuinely good black metal band. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're like, one of the first people to kind of take what Burzum was doing and, like, you know, run with it in a real, like, you know, singular way, so. And it's, it's just, it's unfortunate that, 
you know, it's one of those instances where the the scene or the people that make someone famous is suddenly, you know, it comes back to bite them. Um, like, yeah. all, like, you know, how people view Deaf Heaven. Like, I think if Deaf Heaven didn't have the reaction they did, I think most black metal folks would not care. I mean, they may, not, may still not so, like it, but... Speaking of, of fans and their their devotion, uh, can we talk about this this next album? Because that actually really reminded me of this. Uh, you know just in terms of the way I, fans... Yeah, why? I appreciate that segue. <laughs> You're, Thank you. I, I am glad that you were picking I, up. It's funny. I, 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 I do nothing but berate and insult you. And the one time I have something to add that turns out to be crap, you're just like, good job. Hey, <laughs> like, no, just I, I, I like it. Turn the other cheek, Scott. That's the way to do it. Exactly. I, I, I admire you for it. <laughs> I am my brother's keeper. So. <laughs> All right. I remember I said that in English class once where... Um, he was like, "Did you tell? Did you fill in Mitch in the assignment?" And I was like, "Am I my brother's keeper?" And she was like, "Oh, shut the fuck up, Scott." I mean, she she didn't, <laughs> she didn't actually say that, but her reaction was like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" <laughs> um, any case, we are talking about um, the very zen new album from Deftones. Ohm. Why is this zen? Because Ohm. I mean, it's it, it's the wrong use of Ohm. I know it was a bad joke. That's a theme. That's a theme of our. Um, but anyway, this is the um, ninth studio album from Deftones. They are back after um, their uh, very colorful album gore, at least on the album cover. And I only yeah. say that because I really have not personally um, since Diamond Eyes. I think Diamond Eyes was the album that really got me into them. I, I went backwards, but then never went forwards. I really, I, I don't even have a reason. It's just one of those bands that I just didn't explore as closely, um, which is why I, I really want to turn it over to you, Elaine, because I know you have quite a bit more experience and, you know, emotional investment in Death Talk than <laughs> I do, and I would love to hear your thoughts uh, and kind of, you, you, you set up Ohms. Yeah. Um, I think first off, just to clarify, um, I'm probably not the expert that you think I am. Uh, I was actually looking into some people's like reviews of this, and they knew things about this album and about the band that I had no idea. Um, you know, first thing, but uh, and to just say, I you know my relationship with Deftones is definitely um, not not faltered, but it's definitely been significantly uh, lessened over the years. I mean, part of that is because it's been four years since Gore, um, and I, Gore itself. I have noticed that actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and Gore was, I you know, now that I'm really thinking about it, I think it's probably the weakest album the Deftones have ever made, uh, aside from Adrenaline. But I I chalk Adrenaline up to more of just your young band. This is your first album, and you're happen to be in the, like the middle of the new metal craze. So it's it, it's just like you know it's it, it, it's like a Pablo Honey type of scenario. It's like what the fuck do you expect from that time and from these these musicians who are relatively new to being musicians mm-hmm. um so anyway bring this to ohms um you know after gore gore got a lot of really good reception from a lot of like you know uh more mainstream publications and things like that i i really didn't see what people liked in it um it wasn't a bad album uh, for me, but it definitely it just sort of showed like this toothless side of Deftones that 
had been slowly growing with their previous album, Koino Yokan, uh, which I, I think is a really good album. I really enjoy it. It's definitely not perfect, um, but, you know, it's it's worth a listen. It has some really nice moments on it, uh, but it felt like they kept going in this poppy, dream poppy, kind of trip-hoppy sort of direction, um, which, I mean, I, I, I think we're both agreed on this, that what, what makes Deftones such a special band and what makes their music so special is that they're able to contrast extreme heaviness you know, in sort of like the best parts of metal with sort of the best parts of like trip hop and, you know, more like dream poppy elements. Um, and it's it's in the merging of those two, and it's in the balance of those two that makes a really great Deftones album. Uh, and I think that was kind of where Gore faltered because it felt like it was going too much in one direction. Um, so... Going to this, I actually didn't even listen to the single from it, uh, which was, I think the title track uh, was the debut single for it, uh, which you, you said you weren't a big fan of, if I remember yeah, right. and I, it definitely, I mean, you know, spoiler alert, I, I, I have a positive view of this album, I, I, yeah. I liked it. Um, I think that the the quality of the preceding tracks um, made this less of an issue when you listen to the album, but... I, and personally, I think the title track is, is is probably my least favorite track. Or in general, listening to it, I don't really understand why it's the yeah. Like, I don't because it doesn't. So it's, it's not like it ends like it. You know, it's not like it. The album goes out with a with a whimper. You know, instead of a bang. If, but it definitely if you doesn't look go out. on uh, if you look on the Wikipedia page, it says that uh, Terry Date, the producer, which I, I should probably talk about that first. Just in a very quick aside that. This is their first album with Terry Date since White Pony, which wow. was, it's still considered, you know, probably the, their best album by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, I, I guess I agree, like, in terms of, like, you know, I think if we're going with, like, popular and critical acclaim, uh, it probably deserves that. I, I have my own favorites, but anyway, that, that that's a big uh, step for them. You know, to be working with Terry Date again, you know, because I, I feel like he brought with them a certain sound. But um, I was going to say that uh, Terry Date, a, in an interview, said he said that he didn't feel like Ohms was a good debut single for it for, yeah, for I, the I mean, album. Which I, I definitely I, I have to that. agree, especially that that it's the last track. I, well, I just and, don't like. It's a little bizarre. I think that's what exacerbated it for me. Is that I? I mean, I didn't like it to begin with, and then when I checked the track listing, I was like, "This is the finale." Like, this isn't again. It's it's not a bad song, but it's also it's kind of it's kind of like it sounds like a meat and potatoes just kind of mid album track, honestly. But it's it's the album's finale, and I know that that's not like that's not everything. Like a not every album has to have like this gargantuan you know epic finale, but yeah. you know it's nice to have something that's a bit more. I don't know. Like like a bit more. Um, yeah, like I mean, yeah. it, the thing is, like it, it's it's a little toothless, you know, to use that word again. Um, I, I think that is sort of what I was thinking a lot through this album is that there were points of it that seemed a little toothless in a way. Uh, but I I am actually on your side. Like I I actually I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. Um, you know, I I really liked, especially how. Um, 
uh, Frank Delgado, who does uh, sort of samples and like keyboards and synths and things like that, it felt like he had a bigger role to play here. Um, especially like you know, just in Genesis, like the opening track, like you you had like that synth drum that sort of opened things up, and it just felt like overall there was more uh, expansion of their sound, sort of beyond the guitar, like that they were using they they were bringing more in to sort of um, pump up the sound that they would already make as a band. Like it, it felt like a very good like accent, and it just felt like it, it felt right. It was a really good addition. Um, you know, and I, I liked that, you know, you still have a lot of heaviness. You still have Chino really, you know, belting out some vocals, you know, getting pretty rough at times, you know, but at the same time you have like a lot of really just, you know, beautiful choruses and things like that. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Like a headless was probably my favorite track off of this, uh, Urantios was up there too. There were a lot of really good ones. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm going to probably buy this at some point just because I have every other yeah. Deftones album. Um, I will say though, and we've talked about this before. I, I just, I hate the album cover so much. It's not great. Like, no, it, it, it is. It, it is by far the worst Deftones album cover. And I mean, we're talking about like, you know, Adrenaline had like a baby, uh, like resuscitator on it. <laughs> like so it's like i i don't know how you could do worse than that but somehow they did uh though apparently i was looking into this it, this is also on wikipedia it just shows how much we do research uh, <laughs> uh that uh frank maddox the the guy who's designed uh every uh deftones album since white pony he it apparently has uh what twelve thousand nine hundred ninety five dots that make up the cover art um in that i i I guess they're having this sort of thing where like you can claim a dot as your own and all the money from it goes to uh i guess uh children's hospital uh relief fund so like that part of it's cool um it's just really disappointing (laughs) like just in terms of aesthetics like especially like i thought gore was a really cool album cover um you know it, despite it being one of the weaker albums, like it just, it, it has like this really just, it just spells out Deftones to me. Just like it's so full of color, but it also has this like sort of foreboding quality to it. Yeah. I can't really describe it. Yeah, I mean, when, when I first saw the, because I'm pretty sure um, that was the first image I saw at all of, of the. Yeah, um, I, the, the 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 teaser was um was yeah it was just like all those birds flying. Yeah, and I um um I definitely I definitely like that one. I mean, it, it's a little bit hard to compare just because they're so different stylistically. But as, yeah, as, I mean, I, look, I I I mean, they're all of their album covers have always been really different. You know, from one album to another, like you know, you have like just like the single outline of a pony for white pony but then you have like that whole skull motif with deft with the self-titled and then saturday night risk it's kind of like gauzy and dreamy and almost like it almost looks like a cure album cover yeah. in a way yeah uh the diamond eyes you have the owl which is fucking beautiful uh koina yokan gets a little abstract 
you know, I still think it's a cool looking album cover. And then you gore again. You know, it's like they, they each have like their own style to them. And they're all beautiful in their own right. But just Ohms is just I I just don't like it. I just I just think it's an ugly cover. Yeah, I mean it's definitely um, when when they released the I'm pretty sure it was the you know the title track music video yeah like that like the draped um, yeah we we were talking about this last yeah. week in our free episode that like why didn't they just use like you know a picture from that because yeah, like that's so, like, like so much better it's not even that, that that thumbnail is so cool looking to look at for the Ohms music video yeah. Is it's it's just like breathtaking, and but then they're just like, oh hey, fuck you, here's a bunch of dots. <laughs> fuck you, I love that. <laughs> it just I actually it, this this kind of reminds me of uh, when I went with uh, my dad to uh, uh, the Tate Modern in London, and they had a, an exhibit of uh, Roy Lichtenstein's work, and he was just like, oh, it's just a bunch of fucking dots, <laughs> which I'm like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you you're like half right, dude. <laughs> oh, that's wicked funny. Um. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, like really, the album cover is, is is my only real complaint. Um, I I think that this is this is a nice return to form for the band. You know, it it, it it's a lot heavier than you know Gore was. You can really see both sides of the band really kind of battling it out in a really nice way. Um, I will say though that I the like Sputnik, uh, one of the Sputnik reviews gave this a perfect five out of five, which I mean like you know I like teach their own, but I just don't see that frankly. Um, maybe it'll change. Maybe my opinions on it will change, but I just don't see this as being a perfect album. So yeah, I mean for me, um, I got a lot of uh, like this felt almost like a. A more adventurous Diamond Eyes, and that's just thinking of my last point of, of reference. I thought there were some yeah. they did some cooler things within the general framework. It was still had a lot of heavy moments. Uh, from what I read, it seemed like at least people insinuated that Koyo Yokan and Gore were a bit less metal. Um, they definitely are, but there there are some points in Koyo Yokan that are really good still. Yeah, no, I I don't. I, I don't think they meant it as, as a, a negative. I, I oh yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like people look over Koino Yokan a little bit because I think just you know trying to follow up an album like Diamond Eyes is like impossible. So yeah. no, for for sure. Um, yeah, for me, I I, I loved. Um, I pretty much loved everything everything about this. I thought it was a really really great um, extension. I mean, I still I still think I preferred. The, the songs, and it's probably just because of, you know, bias. It was my first Deftones album. was the first Deftones album I love. It's still my favorite. Um, it didn't quite have the memorability of, of Diamond Eyes, personally, but I did appreciate that they got a little bit more adventurous with that formula, and I, I couldn't help but um, uh, <laughs> couldn't help but think of Stephen Carpenter, like, showing up, at, you know, like, once they're mixing the album and being like, wait, is he the guitarist? Of Deftones, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. shows up in the mixing process. Like, hey, we actually made a metal album this time. That's cool. Like, he doesn't have to. Compl- <laughs> he doesn't have to complain to the to the world that like oh, we're not as metal as I would like. Um, which is still one of my favorite parts of of Deftones <laughs> War. Um, it, it it makes me wonder if like for for the recording of Gore, whether Chino kind of like 
turned into like Tom York, like a lot, like 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 around the time of like OK Computer, almost like he was like channeling that spirit. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, it must. Have, I mean, like obviously, I'm kidding. It must have been just like you know he. I just love his passive aggressive like talking about man. Yeah. It'd be great if Deftones decided to make a metal album. It's like, dude, you're the fucking guitar. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, but yeah, in uh, pro- I, I'm not. On the Wikipedia thing, it says he was playing nine string on this, which is a new thing for him. Oh, too. that's cool. Yeah, because he, he's just yeah. So like, eventually, we're gonna see him play like a twelve. He he like just he just keeps adding. <laughs> eventually, he's just gonna he's just gonna go to a baritone. He's just gonna go all the way down to baritone, <laughs> and just like you know, he he he's gonna be like um, he, he's gonna be toasting a bass. He's like meathead cousin. Oh my gosh, that's who, who like who like lifts? You oh, know, that's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> I I I can't wait for that. <laughs> that's so uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I really, I, sorry, I, I, I have one more little thing before I'm done, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just because I remember seeing this uh, video clip of him playing, and him being like, "Yeah, I, I don't know guitar at all," and like he's just like, "See, like I just play like just random notes," and, and I'm like, you know, the more I think about, it, I'm like, yeah, not really though. Like, you know, you put a lot of thought into like exactly what chords you're playing and sort of how they work with the rest of the song like you know that like th- there's a lot more going on than you want to admit steven <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, I'm sorry if if you i mean even if he like he means he doesn't know like theory or whatever like if you play and write songs as long as they have like you're gonna learn some like you're just naturally well i mean i i was even thinking of just like around the fur which is like their second album like they, there are a lot of really cool chord choices for that you know, and sort of, you know, it, it, it could have been really easy to just go for a straight bar power chord because he's playing, you know, like drop D and like drop C. You know, you, you could just do that. But like he, he adds a lot of extra like notes to like the tops of his chords, you know, and it just it brings out a really neat style that, you know, has progressed as, you know, their career has gone on. So that that's all. That's all I want to say. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Um do you have any final thoughts about this? Um No, I, I mean I, I definitely I, unfortunately I you know, was moving this weekend and just moving throughout the week. I didn't have time to revisit Quote oh, I, I, like I wanted to. I, I wanted to. to ask you that actually how many times did you listen to this? Uh, I listened to it twice and I yeah. definitely I think the first time the kind of the, the development of my thoughts that I mentioned before, how um, you know, my first thought was like, ah, like this just kind of reminds me of, of Diamond Eyes, but just not as memorable. And then the second time through, it was that, except uh, you know, more positive. I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of Diamond Eyes. Yeah. But then that's when I was like, there's some really cool stuff going on here, though. Like, you get the heaviness, but there's some interesting experimentation going on. So yeah, yeah I really want to listen. I had pretty much the same thoughts. I also listened to it twice as well, but um, stupidly, for some reason, my phone. Uh, insists on shuffling everything so i ended up hearing it way out of order oh so so i think like urantia like which is like the third track in listing ended up being like the last one or something like that it was just like like i was wondering for i was like i don't remember this going like this yes <laughs> uh, but you know the, even that being said like i i really enjoyed what i was listening to so uh yeah. All right. Uh, you want to talk about albums of the week? I do. All right. Um, and why don't uh, what, you... what you got? No, why oh, don't you okay. go first? All right. Um, yeah. 
So I, uh, you know, I, I've actually bought like a ton of new music in like the last week, and I'm probably going to end up buying more today because really want to get some more Swans and Leprous and things like that. But um, I, my album of the week is none of those. It ends up uh, just a random album that I put on in the car, and it is probably the best Boom Bap album ever made, and it's uh, Illmatic by Nas. Nice. Yeah, and you know, like I, I've never hated the album by any means. Uh, but this listen really has got me, like, really interested in listening to some of his other albums, even though, like, I, I know he famously has never been able to, like, you know, recreate the success of uh, of Illmatic. But, uh, you know, just, like, he really spits furiously on this album. And, like, I, I never noticed it because I think I was, in the past, I was too busy, like, hearing, like, you know... Like the life is bitch hook, the life is bitch, <laughs> life's a bitch hook, the life is bitch. <laughs> I I feel like that that's like um, I I I think if like if there was like an anime like they, that was just like made of our podcast and got localized, just be like yes, yeah, life is bitch. <laughs> just <laughs> I love it. Uh, anyway. But yeah, like I, I always had those hooks stuck in my head, or like uh, the world is yours, and things like that. But as like like he really has some awesome bars, you know, throughout the album. He has an impeccable flow, you know. It, and the production is always really well done. You know, I, I just I really loved it. I, I I'm still working through it. I think I'm almost done with it in the car right now. Um, super good album, yeah. But I will say that he, I was thinking about this today, is that I think Nas su- suffers from what I like to call Tech 9 syndrome. In that, like... I love it. Yeah, well, like, he has the talent. Like, he really does have the talent. But, like, I think when it comes to songwriting, it might not all be there. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> I mean, you, you, you could put another, um... A, another rapper in there, like Twista, maybe. So... But. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. I, 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 I mean, I think there was a video, like a response to one of Fantano's reviews of a Tech Nine album, saying that like, you if you like don't like Tech Nine, you're wrong because like he's just an objectively, te- like technically good rapper, and like, yeah, I guess like from a technical, res- you know, like rhyme scheme and stuff like that, it's like a, he's a he's a good MC, he's a good rapper, but like. His content is really boring. He sometimes falls into the horrorcore tropes. Um, and also, yeah. yeah, like what you're talking about, the fact that his albums are so fucking long, have so many, like like an insane number of features. Like to the I point wasn't really even thinking of, of length or anything like that. I just think like, you know, I I can't think of a single Tech 9 album, first of all, but let alone one that like, you know, people are, you know, saying like oh this is a really good like you know the the rest of his discography might not be that great but you could like hold on to this album kind of like the, there's just none of that because i i think he just he's he, he he's like angwe malmstein or yingwe malmstein however you say his name or like a joe satriani that like you know virtuoso all the way but like that doesn't exactly correlate to you know creating a good song and creating an overall experience yeah no, absolutely. I, I think my, uh, my my main gripe, kind of adjacent to that, is that um, he's so much of a, a quality over 
or excuse me, a quantity over quality guy. Like yeah. Just, I mean, I think it's tapered off, or maybe I just it's fallen out of my my view. But you know, up before COVID, he just released an insane. You see, released albums at the time. They had so many tracks, so many features, and he just toured all the time. And even his tours have like six, seven people. Or so I think one time he came to. Um, it's called the JFK Coliseum in Manchester. You know, here it's, it's like. Did, a, didn't you go to that show? Oh, uh, my friend did. I didn't. I didn't. My parents would, didn't trust me to go, which I don't necessarily blame them. I yeah. I, <laughs> but, I remember you inviting me to that show. Yeah, I. I think I just <laughs> wanted to go with like despite my parents, but I don't. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> Screw you, mom and dad. I like Tech Nine. <laughs> yeah, but for real, like, famous think, last words, right? <laughs> I think the Billy. I think the bill literally had like six or seven, and of course, the only person you recognized was um, Tech Nine. It just—it was like six other rappers you've never heard of. You're like, I don't want to fucking go. Like, if, if I was—if <laughs> I like—if I hadn't been to as many concerts as I had now, I understand like why I wanted to go back in the day. But nowadays, I'd be like, I don't want to fucking sit through that. Yeah, yeah. A- a- anyway, so that, that, that's my little—that's my little Nas rant. Yes. Um, I really do want to listen to some of his other albums, though. I honestly um, never have, so I don't blame we, you. We should do an episode on that at some point. Yeah. Um, that'd be cool. But uh, anyway, what is your album of the week? Um, Sometimes, I mean, usually I wait until today, just, you know, or, you know, Mondays when we record to pick something. I just, you know, I think of what I've been listening to, what we record, and just whatever sticks out the most, uh, I pick. Uh, that was not the case this week, because my album of the week was locked in. After it was surprise released on Tuesday morning, I think. I think it was Tuesday. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, and it is the new album from Fleet Foxes. Sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, just out of nowhere, he said on the, I think the fall, like Autumnal Equinox or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 and then, like, he announced and, like, it came out, like, three days later or whatever, Yeah, just right? out of nowhere. It's like, oh, shit. And, yeah. and it, honestly, this is probably, I think you could argue that this is, probably the best thing Fleet Foxes have ever done. It's just, it's the culmination of um, really everything they've done up to this point. This point, uh, The self-titled and Helplessness Blues very much in the more rustic, rural, um, indie folk sphere where it definitely was on like the, it had the indie sensibilities but was very much rooted in like traditional folk instrumentation and whatnot. Uh, Crack Up was a lot more artsier and progressive. It was, it was him kind of working out his demons. It was definitely like a sadder, more somber um, atmosphere, you know, a lot more, much more on atmosphere than the previous albums. And I feel like this combines both. It's it's very ethereal. It's, it's, it's just a gorgeous album. Um, apparently he wrote it after, like he just was writing like darker and darker lyrics. And of course then COVID hit, he was stuck in his New York apartment and he would just take day trips to the Catskills, you know, upstate New York and just, you know, look at nature and try to try to make it click and it finally did and he, he matched some brighter lyrics with some brighter instrumentation and it's just it's a, a phenomenal folk album it's just it's if you if you love folk at all then this needs to be on your radar it's i i kind of want to listen to this now it's cool it's just it's yeah it's a gorgeous gorgeous album nice oh it's i i, I you know i i was wondering uh what you're going to think of that i actually kind of forgot that they released an album last week because uh, uh, you know it I, really I don't wasn't really pay attention. Yeah. Well, I, I I just don't pay attention to Fleet Foxes that all that much. So um, maybe I have to change that. 
<laughs> no, I'm not. I, I would, I'd be shocked if you're like, man, I love the new Fleet Foxes album. I'd be like, what? I, I, I actually, I, I, I want to try to give it a listen at some point because, you know, I, I do like some folk, and I think it'd be cool to try to get into it more. So, uh, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that has been it for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.